it sounds like a paradox and it sounds like, oh, it's not that simple or it sounds silly, but like welcoming resistance is the only way to meet resistance to have it not just grow into more resistance. Even the desire to remove resistance is a subtle form of resistance. Life podcast where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Way back, and it really does feel like way, way back in February 2017, I released one of my favorite episodes of this podcast with someone I had admired and still do admire for a very long time. I was fascinated to go back and listen to that episode again just yesterday. And uh, fascinated, not least because of all the reasons I was inspired by him then, still very much apply today. Perhaps that's no surprise. It was his absolute commitment and dedication to being of loving service, being his best self, and living his best life that I still find very, very inspiring. He's at least he seems to be, and, I, and I, we're going to dive in, of course. He's, it looks like he's all in on all aspects of his life, and that inspires and moves me. And, and, and a lot can happen and change in three years. So I'm delighted to have this guy back on the Coaching Life Revisited conversation. A big warm welcome to John Morgan. Hello, John. Thank you, Phil. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm just listening. Don't, I hope I don't fall asleep because your lovely deep voice, like the other person was saying, it's just awesome. Thank it. you. Yeah, I get. I do get a, a few comments about my voice, and uh, I, I, I deflect it as well here. I, I usually say something like, yeah, thank you very much. I do have a face for radio. Uh, yeah. My way of deflecting that. But yeah, thank you. I, and I really enjoy doing this. Maybe there's a voiceover. I think this... You know, your joy comes through too. You're not in a hurry. You're with every word. It's like there's a presence and a quality to it. It's not just the sound. It's like, you know, if, if some people say things and uh, they're just saying the things, but I don't know, I feel, I feel, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass. I actually feel the essence of everything you're saying. So mm. it's nice. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Somebody asked me a while ago, um, and just dive in. I'd be interested in what you think. What What's your view on this? What is like one of one of? I don't think we can come up with a single thing. But what's one of the most important aspects of being a coach? And I just what came to me in that moment was presence. Just being mm. able to allow yourself to be present. What, what, yeah. what, what would your answer to that be? Jeez, don't you give an answer that great? I don't know if there's anything else I would come up with. I mean, like I don't want to try to compete with that because it just hit me as so true. I would just probably lean into that with you. Um, when you say presence, I think about presence with myself, presence with the other person, um, presence with what's occurring, what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing out there in here, and not just presence in the sense of receptivity, but also presence in the sense of giving. Like for me, presence is about both ways. So to presence something, to presence what I'm feeling to you explicitly, and implicitly to presence it and like not trying to hide it with my face or and also so let it if I'm feeling something let it be seen that I'm feeling it um, if I'm hearing something in my mind or seeing it a possibility then speaking it 
Um, so presence and presenceing, I would say. Oh, beautiful. Gosh, I'm getting emotional just, just uh, yeah, listening to that. Just listening to that. Thank awesome. you. So my my only rehearsed question, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> ironic given we're talking about presence. Yeah, no photoshopping, Phil. Yeah, no photoshopping. <laughs> um, was, you know, when you look back at mm. that time, which is, like I said, a little over three years ago, what do you see? I see a guy that was more angry at things not going the way he wanted, especially in the home. I see a guy who was creating similar material results, not that much less, but with even more effort than not, not that much effort compared to earlier in his career, but still much more effort than today. Um, uh, I see somebody that was doing the same exact thing that he's doing now. Um, and, so in some ways, like I see, I guess a lot of change and I also see a lot of uh, difference. Uh, sorry, it's a lot of change and a lot of similarity, like a lot of not change. Mm -hmm. You know, things are different, but things aren't. Um, so, you know, I've always been just obsessed with kind of self-mastery, just mastery, like figuring out how things work, how can make it work better. I've always been obsessed with being honest. Um, I just, just, that was a thing when I was a kid, like got to tell the truth and I, at home, that was a huge value. And then it just got oriented inwards. Got to be honest with myself, got to be honest with people. And, and that's just been a thing. And so applying those two things, it's just taken me on this path. Um, but that's allowed me to be honest with where things aren't working, where it could be better. And so some of the places that have changed, like my home life has gotten so much easier. My work has gotten so much easier since that time, since a few years ago. Um, but my orientation and how that occurred and, and transformed is kind of the same, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, you mentioned mastery and just reflecting on that for a moment, it seems pretty obvious to me that if we're, we are committed to a path of mastery, then things have to change irrespective yeah, of everywhere right. along that path. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. So mastery is the same in the sense of consistent, my interest in it. Um, but as a result of that, things have changed. Yeah. How, one how, of the things, okay. I was going to share another thing. Like, no, yeah, one of the things that, that, that I said to my mentor uh, a few years ago, um, and I was revisiting with my wife recently. It's like, I said with her, like the worst of our life is behind us. It's like, well, how could you say that? How could you know what might happen in the future? And I was like, well, and she agreed once I refreshed it out. It's like, there's nothing that could ever happen that would be harder than anything that has happened because our capacity to meet circumstances now is so much greater. We have so much more freedom and our ability to experience what's happening in the world in a way where we're not so at effect to it as a victim of it. Um, um, and it doesn't mean it might not be trauma or things might not happen. It might have a pandemic. We could lose a child, like something horrible could happen, but, but it will never feel as bad and we won't feel as stuck as we may have in the past for things that were maybe less significant by some other standard. So um, that is a huge difference in my life, I would say. And that gives me an immense kind of freedom from, from worry about the future. Hmm. So do you think that that's the same for everyone? Do you think that that's a, a, a human capacity? I mean, I think, I don't think I'm special. So yeah, I think anybody, I think it's a, there's a certain developmental transition that occurs. You know, there's the intellectual understanding that we create our experience through how we're using our mind and our thinking. But I think that there's, 
a way that that finds its way into your, we'll call it an embodied understanding. It finds its way into your being where there's a kind of, I don't know, there's a kind of shift in how you kind of assimilate reality as it's happening where it's like, you, you still feel stuff, but it's, a, it's just okay that it's not okay a lot quicker. Mm. All right? it's, not like, it's not like you ever had the experience of something's not okay, but it doesn't linger. It, it doesn't steal you indefinitely. You kind of, there gets a point where it's easy. You know, like when you're having a dream, a nightmare, and you're like, okay, yeah, I know I'm dreaming and I can wake up. It's like you get to a point where you're able to wake up from nightmares instead of just stay stuck in it and sleeping. Um, and I feel like because we have that capacity, we might be, we might trip up and get caught in a nightmare, but we can go, oh yeah, I'm dreaming and just like w- wake up again. And so that, and I think everybody can develop that capacity. It's through, through, through insight and through having the experience and you don't lose it once you have it. You can't forget, you can't unsee that. I would definitely relate to that. I, I would, mm. I guess I would describe it as my level of awareness has changed Mm. Um, and and I guess that word came to mind as well when we were talking about presence what it is to be present Mm -hmm. Um, it's really an aware because we might think that present is all about like being here and now but I can be with you whilst also Mm -hmm. here we are we're looking back at perhaps three years ago but I'm still present Mm -hmm. with you Mm-hmm. and I have an awareness of what's going on. Like I have very much, I, th- I think over the last, well, it, it, it's, it feels like there's been jumps actually. I had a huge insight later that year in 2017, which God increased, increased my level of awareness of, of just how made up everything is. And um, I laugh at that mm. because I'd used those words to describe, you know, what I was seeing even before then. Oh, I see everything's made up. And it's kind of like, I, I, I see that at a, a deeper level just words but yes to me it's like even when i am feeling sad distressed stressed there is an underlying level of awareness and my awareness of the awareness if you like has increased overall yes awareness of awareness is a great phrase it's something that um, i reflect on as a way of expanding the awareness itself have you found that Um, I'm aware that my son has come into the room. That's beautiful. This is quarantine awareness. Yeah, I bet this guy is uh, your best coach right now, right? He is. I mean, I could talk about that a lot. This is then. Yeah, maybe we'll come back. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But awareness of awareness, it's actually a phrase that I've been reflecting on. Like, what would it be like to become more aware of my awareness or I am aware of my awareness and it's like, and I think that there's, it's not just like, Oh, it's a cute phrase. I think it's the concept of meta, right? Like meta to anything. It's just like about the thing. It's like feelings about feelings. One of the things I say, the secret of happiness is to be happy with not being happy. And it's like, it's like this subject object jump and it's the movement to disassociate from a subjective experience that goes like, Oh, I'm free. And so awareness, awareness is like the ultimate one. Cause to be, a, you know what I mean? Like it, it actually expands the thing yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. I I've used an analogy really around this about um, sitting in a watching. If you go to the cinema and you watch a movie, 
you can be completely immersed in that as like forgetting that that's actually a movie feel like you're immersed mm. in real life but you can also be aware that there is this person there's john sitting in this seat watching you know different colored pixels changing on a screen mm -hmm. but then to mm -hmm. me it looks like there's another awareness that i can be aware that there is that guy sitting there rather than being mm -hmm. aware that i am that guy sitting there it feels like yes i can step even further back from that and be aware that there's that mm -hmm. guy sitting there yeah yeah it's true and um and it's infinite because then you become aware, and this is the trap that, like, the work of Krishnamurti, I don't know if, if you heard of that philosopher, has been really helpful for me, because he points out that the identification with witness is just another trap. And so then people start to develop the ego of the witness consciousness and how great of a witness am I yeah. being. Yeah. And so it's like, but once you start to see that it's an infinite loop, then you can actually, then the whole thing starts to fall away and uh, gets a bit trippy, but... Yeah, that's yeah. um, cool that we dive right in with this. Like I, one of my yeah. little bugbears, if you like, that I, I also chuckle at is this. I see people's new identity being a disidentification. Right. Yes. That's it. And pretty much that's what you. I am the about. one that has no thoughts, and yeah. I'm a very good non-thinker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. Oh man, it's a funny game. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> So just to recap, like, um, and, and as I said at the intro, it's fascinating to go back and listen to that episode as to how I've changed. I, I, I think um, I'm much more relaxed and just, just me, I guess, although I, I, mm. being, I was being that version of me three years ago on this podcast. But I also noticed that in those earlier episodes, talking very much about logistics and technicalities and whatever, and I'd really just like to recap right, what mm -hmm. progress has been. Because one thing I really... Yeah. Uh, and yet another thing I admire about you is you've touched on it is this openness and honesty. I, I don't know if I've come across many other coaches that would put on their website. Okay. You know, my income is X amount for this year. Yeah. And that there it is like you're saying, yeah. okay, this is me. This is what's, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in, it doesn't, I'm personally interested in the numbers and I don't really know why, because it usually feels like there's a little bit of, tabloidism if you like about that because it's not really mm. that relevant but i'm interested in the the progress so it's, it's kind of two questions in one here how, how is business different mm. and of course i i want to I, I would love to know how that's come about yeah um, but also i'm wondering when you reflect we all lie to ourselves with, uh, again, not even being aware of it. Do you, mm -hmm. do you see whether you were, and if so, how and what were you lying to yourself about back then? Oh, Jesus, was I lying to myself about, I mean, I don't remember any big lies, but I know that I'm always lying about something. Like one of the beliefs that I have is that I'm always lying a little bit, right? it might be at the edge of my awareness, but like, so I'm always like, where am I lying? Cause there's always a little bit of bullshit that I have to like find. Right. And so I don't remember any big lies. Let me think. Ah. Hmm. I mean, if there was, I swear I would tell you, mm -hmm. um, but I can't, I kind of, because they're usually like on the edges, I figured let's see them. And then I just like out it and keep going. But this thing about like talking about your income, like, the reason I like to talk about my income with people is not because I'm fixated on it, but because everybody's got that cultural idea that you shouldn't talk about that. 
And it's like, I like to do that just to get to eradicate that idea from me. And also I like to create the possibility for other people that it's not, it's not a thing and you don't have to worry about it. I'll just go first and then we'll see. It's like, oh my God, we both took our shirts off and like nobody got killed. It's like, okay, <laughs> holy shit. What about our pants? You know, and it's like, it's just, it just makes life easier. I like just whatever that thing is, the elephant, let's just talk about it. Um, and so as far as my business, I mean, a few years ago, I think that I was still focused on like what we would call high fee clients as a way of like as the main revenue stream in my business. And so two things have changed around that. To me, using that word, that phrase is like toxic, like a curse word. Like I don't like to even use it anymore because it just struck me that instead of trying to overcome my discomfort with having a high fee client, realize that calling anybody something like a high fee is fucking gross. Like I've got a very expensive thing to sell you. Like who wants to pay a high fee for something? You want to pay a low fee or what, or the right fee for it, not a high fee. And so I just don't like that language anymore. Now that doesn't mean that my fees have gone down. It's just mean that my orientation on what my clients pay is not that they pay a high number or that they are somebody who pays a high thing. So that's a big thing that's changed. As a result, my number of private clients paying the same or maybe even higher rates has probably gone up, but I don't relate to it that way anymore. And I really encourage my clients not to think about high fee, high ticket coaching because it's like, then it's always something greater than what you actually think you're worth. And that sets up a fucking crazy, stupid dichotomy. <laughs> so there's that. And the other thing that's changed is instead of my revenue being generated primarily by private clients, it's shifted now for two reasons. Number one, because I'm no longer stuck on the identity of what it means if my business is operating with a small number of clients that paying a big chunk of money. Um, and and I'm not, because I'm not identified with that as, as much anymore, the model has shifted. And also because I want to reach more people, the model has shifted. Where now I would say, I, I don't know the numbers to be fair, maybe two thirds. So I've got two groups that, my, the, that I have uh, 11 people in. Used to be 12, but now it's 11 people per group. It's 9,000 per, per person, so it's about 100 grand per group. I do two of them a year. I'm about to go for doing three of them in a year. Um, so that's like two, $200,000 to $300,000 from my groups, and then another $100,000 to $200,000 from my private clients that pay anywhere between 36000 and 100000 I have one at 100 grand right now. Most of them are, are at the lower end, um, and it's just different amounts of time. And so my income is somewhere between three fifty to four fifty now. I'd like to get up over half a million to 600,000, um, but just doing what I'm doing. So there's that. And another thing that's changed massively since I've spoken to you last is through doing these groups and having like 11 people in a group where I coach just two people in a session, a lot more of the value has been through people being present to my coaching. And then people are asking me the question, where we're asking me the question, can you teach me more about this or that? And my line was like, I don't know where I got this, but I'm not a teacher, I'm a coach. But it was like, I, I was like, I'm saying that a lot. Why is that? And I used to, I said for my, to years to my wife, I don't like to cook. And it was like, why am I saying that so often? <laughs> and so now this is the year of cooking and I'm also becoming a teacher. And so for the last year I've started teaching. I take all my clients and I do the thing called creating school. So all my private clients, group clients, they come together once a month and I teach on a topic. And that's recording and I'm building up content. And so now I'm interested in reaching more people and I'm actually getting a lot of fulfillment or we're just sharing this philosophy that's emerged over this 10 years of work and over my life. 
um, and finding out that just people's lives are changed that are paying just a hundred bucks a month and that I never even talked to them and they're consuming the content and integrating it. And it's like, whoa, this is fucking cool. And so now I'm actually feeling more like a teacher than a coach in a lot of ways. So there's been a lot of changes, I guess, since then. I love that. I really love that. And I, I, I've seen over and over again, um, I'll use this. I like, I like the little soundbite lines, of course. And you've probably seen me used to create a lot of memes. But um, I just see when we define, we confine. So I rarely use the C word. In fact, I would, I would, sometimes like I think I would, I would rather use, <laughs> I'll use the client the word, word, the coach word. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> because um, I don't even really like the, the client word because all those, indeed, those definitions are pointing out hmm, some kind of separateness, if you like, in the relationship. Mm. And uh, again, it's one thing that jumped out of that conversation. Um, and, and I posted this yesterday because it was really about commitment to a relationship. And you said in that conversation three years ago that the transformation doesn't just come from the conversations themselves. It comes from the relationship. Mm-hmm. And you know, the commitment in the relationship, has that changed in any way? Or is that still a, a fundamental um, aspect of what you're doing? Both, right? like some of that's still super fundamental and probably even more fundamental now because I really see that the relationship that I'm in with the client as one of like almost the primary source of their transformation. And I put more attention on that. What's happening in our relationship or not happening in our relationship and having explicit dialogue around that right now, what's occurring. And, you know, that is a powerful place. And that starts right in the first conversation, typically with somebody, because then it comes time to talk about hiring me as a coach and making the investment. And then the money gets uncomfortable. And do I say yes? Do I say no? What do I tell them the truth? It's like, this is the stuff to talk about. We could almost just start from that from the beginning and not talk about anything else. Cause if we just talk about how a person's experiencing the possibility of working with me, it's like now we're in the reality of this person and how they show up in the world. So it, even more so in some ways, um, but another thing that's actually happened for me is you talked about not wanting to use the C word. There was a period of time, I don't know when it was, where I had my assistant Kiara like remove the word coaching from everything on the internet that we did. I'm like, we're not using that word anymore. We're not using the word client. It was like a systematic like 1984 George Orwell removal of the entire vocabulary. And I came up with alternative words that had like a glossary. This word needs to become that word. Clients are partners. Coaching is creating or, you know, and, um, and I've just, and that was really purposeful for me because it helped me create a new vernacular, but I've also relaxed around it now. I don't like say I'm a coach and go out there, but I'm like, okay, you, I have a friend who's, who's uh, people say, what do you do? He says, I work on a boat. He's a Navy SEAL. And so it's like, there's also kind of a funness to it to be like, I'm a life coach. Cause like, yeah, you can assume that I'm like everybody else, but then spend a few more minutes with me and you'll actually get who I am and what I do. And so I'm not so worried anymore, but I think that the worry was, you know, useful and at a certain point. Um, but uh, how did I get to this point? What else was I just saying a second ago before the coach thing? Rewind. What did you ask? I was asking really about, is the relationship still fundamental to Got what it. you do? Yes. Mm. The relationship piece. Yes. Thank you so much, Phil. Um, so even more so in the sense that, before it was like, yes, me and you and we're equals and it's, oh, you know, and don't think that I'm something greater and I'd want you 
to see we're just two people on the same path. And that is still my outcome, right? But I have become okay with somebody, not just okay, I've become, I have, I have discovered the functionality of a person having the delusion or illusion that there's something that I have that they don't have. And that if they were just hang out with me, that they could get it. I've actually become uh, able to see, not saying it's the truth, but I have the perspective now that that type of illusion can be functional as a way of creating, a way of capturing attention and creating a working relationship that can have somebody be committed and attentive and present and receive in such a way where I can actually help them to understand at a deep level that we're actually just two people on the same path. Mm -hmm. I found that trying to introduce that too early, people either weren't hearing me or it was undermining the power of the relationship. And so, you know, a lot of this was brought to light even more clearly recently by reading the book by a guy named Sheldon Kopp, a psychotherapist who wrote in the 70s called, If You Meet the Buddha on the Road, Kill Him. So it's a common phrase in Buddhism, but it's actually a whole book about the, the pilgrimage of a psychotherapy patient and about how the psychotherapy patient mistakenly seeing the psychotherapist as a guru is actually functional in the liberation of that patient from the delusion that there's anything outside of them that can help them. And so the relationship is even more profoundly and in these ways a part of my my coaching work now see i wonder if i could misunderstand that in a way that yeah because i want so i of course i'm i'm like reflecting taking that in and oh yeah so where do i relate to that and i've described or i what at least what i perceive to be the biggest shift in my coaching is to stop trying to be a coach and stop trying to be anything in fact so mm. you know i'm 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 just dropping i'm not dropping all ideas that's not possible but my okay so my relationship with my ideas my relationship indeed with mm. my thinking has changed substantially continues to change so and and that also came to light when we were talking about, yes, I've had periods where I don't like to use the C word, but again, if my relationship mm. with my thinking has changed, it kind of becomes less relevant whether I'm using that or mm. not, because I'm not, I'm not making it mean something. There's a much of a, a looser hold on anything on yes. anything. Um, okay. So that's, I mean, so you're in the same place. You're seeing it the same way I am. So I, I have a much looser hold on the idea that I am anything but I'm, I'm happy to let an idea that I am something be there as the kind of trickstery way of having somebody pay attention long enough for me to help them see that it's not real and nothing out there that they think about anybody else is real. And so they can just, they got it themselves already. Um, yeah. I'm happy to play with reality a lot more than uh, um, I think before, because I thought reality was more real. Times I've taken clients to Zakynthos and we just hang out. We walk along beaches, sit at cafes, mm-hmm. and you know, we're spending hours and hours together for a couple of days. And instead of walking around pointing, I, I, I used to used to use the analogy as well that I as a coach, you're a bit like a tour guide. So you can go and point to things, but you can't you can't help your clients see them, just pointing them out. But I'm actually even seeing more and more that I don't even need to do that. Like if I'm just with mm-hmm. somebody, like if I, mm-hmm. if I sit with somebody on one of my favorite places on Zakynthos and just sit there and I'm just with them and that's it, they're going to mm-hmm. see what they see. And yes. the longer we sit there, the more they are going to see at a deeper level. 
I think that works for you, Phil, because look, I think the most powerful coaching is the coaching that happens at the level of being. And in order for a person's being to influence another one in a positive way, that person's being has to have something to offer. And that might be the absence of stuff, the absence of thought. It may be ways of seeing or thinking that are functional, but just like being in that being and being with another person, when you be with the person with presence, there's a transfusion, like a blood transfusion of being. Mm. Right? So yeah. it, it, if you have being to offer another person, then being with them will be valuable. Mm. You know? And so this is why for me, like my primary way of increasing the value of my service is, is to be with myself and to be with people who can help me to be more. I know that sounds kind of like a lot of the word be over and over again, but the more I can you know, disembed myself from the story and thought and what I think reality is and just be with primordial being, the more I have to offer people and being with them at that level. And the other side of the coin, I have the, the Taoist symbol for yin yang on my wall. The more I can be with thought in such a way where it's more nuanced and subtle and has a worldview that gives me access to more functionality and more creative creativity in the world, the more I can bring that to bear through being with the person too. And so it's both like the dis, uh, disassociation from the story, but it's also the capacity to create story that's more functional. Both of those things can be transfused into, into another person through being with them. So um, yeah, working on that for myself through the people that I spend time with as well. Like I'll come away from this conversation and the way that I'll be with my wife will be more present than it would have been if I hadn't spent the hour between 4 and 5 p.m. with you. Just because you, there's a transfusion of your presence, which is dense, coming into me, and that will be carried out there. And it will go into her, into my son. and it just that's, So to me, that's the secret of powerful coaching. It's like you are the product. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I really feel that. You're welcome. And, uh, yeah, it's there's people that I can just meet, and and yes, I feel honoured that some people have reflected this back to me as well. Um, that just simply just getting on a call with you, and I and I this can feel like that with a with my own coach at times, where I am. And mm -hmm. Sometimes I have stuff going on, I'll cut open, and I just get on the call, and I'm like, tears can well up. Just nothing is mm. said, and they're just here we mm. are with this person. Mm. So that's, that's really beautiful. There's two things, conscious of our time, I could talk to you for hours, but conscious of the time, there's two, there's two people I want to uh, just, just mention and would love to hear how they mm -hmm. have and indeed continue to impact your life and, and you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've already mentioned one. So your son, you've got mm -hmm. another child on the, on the way. Um, mm -hmm. I said, you know, I'm sure he's like your best coach. Could you, could you talk a little bit about yeah. that? What are you learning? What are you learning from your son? Oh man. Um, I'm, I'm meeting my inner child in ways that I never expected. I mean, I didn't know, you know, you can do work on yourself and then you get married and you're like, Oh shit, I thought it was done, but I've got a lot to do. And then you get, <laughs> have a kid and you're like, Holy fuck. There's like so much more stuff. And so like my son has introduced me to, the part of me that was bullied from like second to fourth grade 
and how traumatic that was and how much that hurt and and how I learned martial arts and I learned how to fight back and how I went from being pushed around to beating kids up and how I haven't had a fight since I was 16 years old but that's but deep down there's been this that's because I felt safe because I knew that I could fight back if somebody tried to hurt me. And like that comes out with my four year old bites me or scratch me. And I have this like body wants to like respond as if I'm being attacked by an adult. Like I don't hit him. I've never hit him, but I push him off more aggressively than I need to, or I shout at him and it's like, wow, where's that coming from? And so this like really deep stuff that has never needed to show up in the world and suddenly is with him. Um, You know, um, there's that. And there's like, there's this, like I've noticed myself getting mad that he wasn't obeying me. And then when I look at it later, I'm like, why does he need to obey me? Like who gives a shit if he doesn't put his pajamas on? It's like, wow, my body believes he needs to obey me. Wow. Holy shit. That means that my body believes that I need to obey. Oh my gosh. Look at all these places that I've been obeying. Wait, I thought I just got interested in marijuana for the first time in my life at 41, but it's actually because it just became illegal and my whole life I've been obeying the law. Holy shit. Like I start to see that my world is constructed. Okay, it's useful, it works. But even the things that are functional in my life are functional because I live inside this box of these certain rules. I've made it work, I'm okay with it. But like, what if I didn't have these limitations? What if I didn't have to obey? With my wife, I know we talked, yes, about my son, but like, you know, it's a great example too. I saw so many of the things that annoyed me in her. Like she wasn't responsive and she was, you know, really soft-spoken and, and kind of kept to herself, which is her introverted nature. And I read the books about introverts and I started to appreciate and value that in her, but it still annoyed me. And then I was like, I just started to see like, holy shit, it's not okay that she doesn't respond. Wait, that means it's not okay if I don't respond. Oh my gosh, me having to talk all the time and always have something to say is because it's not safe not to. What would life be like if I didn't have to respond all the time? And it's like, Wow. And so I'm discovering these, this new level of freedom and possibility on the other side of these, these, this construction of a personality and this persona and this character that like, it's not, it's just what is, it's not like necessary. And so, um, I mean, but largely through my son, it's just, I'm meeting a part of parts of myself that have always been there, you know, beneath the surface guiding me in a way that's not ugly enough to notice. But now with him, it's like, it comes out and we're like, that's not appropriate. I don't need to raise my voice at him and shout at him for this. It's like brushing your teeth, it's not the end of the world. And so it's waking me up to it and I'm seeing it both in that instance, but also how it's just kind of, you know, guiding me in my life. I'm reminding myself every day, I do not need to obey. I do not need to follow the rules. And it's like, wow, look at all the places I've been obeying and following the rules. What would life be like if I wasn't? So, yeah, it's just awesome. And I love him so much. And I mean, just like anything, people that have kids, the things they say and the love and just he puts his arms around me and says, Daddy, I love you. And it's like just out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, my God, just kill me now. I'm happy. Kill me right now. I'm just done. Like life is perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. There's a thing there. Probably haven't got time for it today. But I, I, I often I, I wonder, I remember um reading and watching the movie Lord of the Flies. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, and like listening to you, and indeed, like I have um, nieces and nephews, and I've got a son who's mm-hmm. 29. Mm-hmm. I have much hope for the future of this planet. Yeah. Because yeah. there definitely Same. is. When I look at that generation and the next, the next generation after, there is this awakening to being part of a system, an unhealthy mm-hmm. system, 
But I also wonder, well, we can't get away from the fact that we are part of a system and it's really down to us to make that system work for everyone. Mm. Other than for you. So, but anyway, I'm going I'm to leave that there given the time we're I, I, I agree with you though. We, we could talk another time, but I'm on the same page. I have the same perspective, yeah. Mm. So the other person I wanted to, um, I'm, I'm intrigued about and, and I reflected on this because, so there's this guy, he, he, in some respects, is a bit of an enigma. And um, I've heard him described as a showman. I may have even done that myself and, and I've seen deeper since. So the ultimate coach, Steve Hardison, mm. who you've, you've, um, you hired. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm fortunate. I, I got to spend some time with him. And before that, to me, and I'm sure people who have heard of him but haven't met him or been in his presence, again, it can be all about the fee because this guy was charging, at least that was, that was, I was kind of introduced to him as like, this is guy, Steve Hardison at the time was charging $150,000 $150, a year. And I think it probably yeah. much more than that now. And um, so, of course, coaches, we all go through that stage where it seems to be all about the money until we realize it isn't. So what's fascinating to reflect on is, yeah, I could see, I saw him as like, wow, that people are paying that much money that, that in and of itself is probably drawing out a level of commitment, but then having spent a little bit of time with him, there's, I've never met anyone who expresses love so intensely mm -hmm. as him. Mm. And, um, so this is a, I'd love to just touch on that whole financial aspect because like to me, somebody handing over that amount of money, even like the figures you've spoken about, about your, your, your current income, like that mm -hmm. is a huge amount of money, you know, relatively mm -hmm. speaking in the scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So I'd love mm -hmm. to, I'd love to hear how that felt for you and what it was you were drawing on within you at the time prior to working mm -hmm. with him. What were you drawing on within mm -hmm. you that had you step into that? Mm. And then mm. <laughs> with our time, like, yeah, what, what happened to John during that time with Steve? Mm. What was I drawing on? You know, what I was drawing on is a knowing of my own capacity. Um, in August 2016, I think, or 2017, I don't know when it, if it was before or after we had our interview that um, I started working with him. can't remember. Um, but, I had said for years that I wanted to work with him and I'd do it when I had the money, but the money never showed up. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to speak commitment into the world and let that be cause for me creating this. So in August I, I emailed him and said, Steve, I'll have the money by Christmas, which meant that I would have to create, you know, more than I ever created in a year in the next four months just to have the money to invest in taxes and savings and a little bit of runway. And so I pulled it off. It was like 285 grand between, you know, August 23rd and Christmas day um, from group coaching program plus private clients. So it was just, and I made it work. But um, uh, one of the other things that I secretly committed not to him, but to myself and to my wife is that I will not do anything to create this income that is contrary to the point of hiring him. And so the point of hiring him was to learn to create more through love and through ease and through flow. And so I put that constraint on it. And I don't think if I didn't put that constraint on it and stay present to that constraint, then I probably wouldn't have achieved it. 
because I was prioritizing love and ease and flow, I was like, well, I'm committed to make this money, but I can't do it if I don't enjoy it. I can't do it if I, it doesn't feel loving. And so I'm just going to sit here until I figure out how to be. And I did a lot of just sitting here. And so I did a lot less of the outside doing than I probably was doing before. But because I was committed to, to those constraints, I found, I found my way. I also, uh, look, Phil, like one of the things that, um, I don't know what we talked about last time, but I have as much of an interest in the disassociation from thought and, 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 and form as every other person on their spiritual path. But what I also have is an equal interest in the production of thought and form that's habitual and, and functional, right? And so as much as I am, I want to be present, be aware of awareness, to allow the unfolding of the universe through me. I also use my time to habituate identity and habituate worldview and keep myself focused on potentials and possibilities that funnel all of the energy of the universe into certain, certain things while maintaining an openness to things unfolding differently. But what that looks like is sit and meditate, be mindful, allow it all to fall away, be at peace, and then pick up my little piece of paper that, that has the printed out of the email I sent to Steve on it every morning while I light my candle and burn my incense and read it aloud. And I did that every single morning for four months. And so there's an openness simultaneous and in parallel with an intense focus. So it's not like I read this and it's like, oh, I don't have to do a bunch of stuff now. No, I just open and I orient. It's like energy, laser, energy, laser. Um, and I think it's the combination of those two things which had that happen. If I was just open, allowing life to take me, it's like I could be a leaf in the wind, but I don't know where I'll end up. Um, and if I'm like a motorboat, I'll fucking run out of gas and I'll be in the middle of the ocean and not get there either. So I'm like, I'm into sailing, man. It's like, I want to be open. I want to dance the wind, but I have a destination in mind. Um, and so I think it's the combination of those two things. And what happened to John? That's a cool question. Can I, uh, do you mind if I, because yeah. I, I want to just speak to that point because I, yeah. I have this discussion with friends now and that there are some people, particularly in one community, I mean, it's three principles community where it's all about, okay, well, wisdom's going to guide you and whatever. And there's this fundamental, there's a, to me, there's a point that can be missed in that is that we can, we are able to take a much more active role. At least that's how it appears to me, right. In, mm. in creating this world. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I get it that, I mean, my grandparents, the most content people you would ever meet, but I also see that we can choose what we want and ask for mm. it. And mm-hmm. you, I can't remember who it was that said it, but there's a, if you Google just these words, the moment one commits, providence moves too. Yeah. Um, I think it's William Murray. Mm-hmm. So I see that. So it looks like we can ask for what we want and commit to that. I, I commit mm-hmm. to wanting this. I'm asking. And then I listen and move. I ask, I listen, mm-hmm. and I move. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks that mm-hmm. simple. And you just helped me. I kind of had a little, a little insight here of like about rituals, which I would kind mm-hmm. of laugh off because I was looking at rituals as, as kind like of a, like, like looking to organize something dance. outside, yeah. really. But yeah. I can see yeah. that I can have a ritual that actually just has me remind me of what I want and be focused on that and to listen mm-hmm. as to how I can mm-hmm. be guided for that. So yes. really thank you for that. 
You're welcome. Let me just reflect back. Like I remind myself, one of my rituals every morning is to write a few things to, that I want to remember that I am um, the way the world is. And one of them that I write is I am that I live by asking and listening. That's actually my ritual. And I say, AKA prayer. Mm-hmm. So to pray is to ask and listen. Mm-hmm. And so whether I'm praying to God, whether I'm praying to my intuition, whether I'm praying to you, I ask you a question, would you like to coach with me? And I listen to your answer. You're God, God's up there. God's in here. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. And so, but that's a ritual. I, I, re, I have the ritual of reminding myself that's my orientation in life. And then that's also a ritual every time I do it. All right. It's a pr- prayer is a ritual. So um, yeah, well spotted and very synonymous. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, so really conscious of the time here. So yeah, I interrupted you. But what I'm not conscious of the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's cool. Let's Thank just, you. Yeah. You're welcome. Do you need to jam? Um, um, yeah. What happened to John? What happened to John during that time with Steve? Hmm. Ah, what happened to him? Um, he learned what it means to love himself. Um, you know, I, didn't even, I wasn't even that uh, caught by that term most of my life. It always just sounded like self, what I would now call self-care, which is useful, but it's like, I know how to give myself self-care. It's like candles and a bath or whatever, a little porn like whatever's whatever self-care is good i got that i got that but um but self-love huh that has taken on such a deep meaning so for me self-love is the relationship to this this idea of who i think i am that's occurring on the inside moment by moment um and i came to know it through self-hate um there's a great book by shara huber um i think it's was it called self-hate or something like that? It's if you Google Sherry Huber self-hate, you'll find it. But um, that term was so like violent that I was like, oh, oh, I can't look. That's not violent. I don't do that. But I've since found that like if you actually consider the possibility that the most violent term, it's like, oh, no, I, I don't hate. It's like, well, if, if you've got the resistance to that, it's probably a clue that you might want to look at. Like where if I did hate, where would I hate? You know, if – is there evil in me? Oh, no, no. It's like, well, if there was, you know, if the, the willingness to lean into these concepts that we're seeing too, I find a lot of value in it. So through looking through the lens of self-hate, I discovered the ways that I wasn't self-loving, right? Because to love would be to, the, to do the opposite of that. And so these little micro judgments, I'll call them, these little like, oh, that was stupid. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still getting caught up in my ego. It's like meta self-hate, which is like, this is, rampant in the world of personal development the moment people develop some kind of awareness of self they just brutalize themselves mm. for how much they haven't grown yet mm. i should have done you know i'm st- i've still got that inner child thing i thought i handled this like fucking relax man it's like that's the inner child inner child than you about your inner child it's like even worse you're better off going back to not knowing what the fuck's going on inside and so you know so seeing that seeing how i do these little micro digs this little you should be you should obey me thing with the way that I relate to my inner child, the same as my son. So whether I'm practicing loving my son instead of judging him, whether I'm practicing loving myself instead of judging myself, that has changed everything for me. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. My wife and I agree that like our, the worst of our life is behind us because we know how to love ourselves, which means we know how to forgive ourselves. We know how to wake up from the nightmare. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing that's changed in John for sure. Beautiful. And the most important. 
Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. And and, and when I look in, in that direction, I'm just reminded over and over again, if I could come up with one thing that I would love to um, remove from my own life, it's resistance. Mm. It looks to me like resistance to anything that looks like to be the, mm. the toxicity um, that keeps me mm. from, from love resistance to anything. Because mm-hmm. when I do love myself in the way that you've described, I'm not resisting any aspect mm. of me. In fact, mm-hmm also been exploring like what's it like to move not from resistance to just acceptance but actually to celebration to mm-hmm. me that's like there's a, another step beyond just yeah. a simple yeah, i'm not resisting that anymore i'm i'm just accepting it's kind of like yeah that's mm-hmm. how it is but into celebrating like really embracing that wow phil you have this going on beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful and then being able to move forward and create yeah in that space so this is exactly like what you just articulated is exactly how the sneaky thing shows up. It's like the endless pursuit of if I were just better in this way, then life would be better. Life would be easier. And it sounds like a paradox and it sounds like, Oh, it's not that simple or it sounds that silly, but like welcoming resistance is the only way to meet resistance to have it not just grow into more resistance. Even the desire to remove resistance is a subtle form of resistance. And I know you know this too, and this is why I like being with my mentor Steve is because even the things that I know, there's always ways that I miss it. And it takes somebody out there to be able to point it out, but it's like, fuck, what if I were just to welcome resistance? No, that feels fucking dangerous. Yeah, but I think there's a party that knows if you did that, then you might get what you want. The moment you want it, you're fucked. You have to not want it. (laughs) You have to completely not want it to get it. And I love these things because to, like, to me 10 years ago, I'd be like, what the fuck is this shit guy talking about? Like, it sounds mm-hmm. so stupid, but there's nothing that I've found to be more true than these almost cliche sounding ideas. Yeah. yeah. When you actually access it, it's like, it's breathtaking. Yeah. Where it looks like it's a paradox that's worth looking at because, um, mm. yeah. Well, John, it's, uh, I kind of can't put it into words, which is, which is brilliant actually. Um, magnificent this this conversation just feels that it's been magnificent so I'm, I'm so grateful for you taking this taking this time out particularly this time of day um yeah thank you feels pathetically small but but thank you anyway well thank you phil it's been a pleasure to be in conversation with you as always see you in a few years <laughs> thank you <laughs> see you in a few years that's funny i hope it's much sooner than that that we get to talk and explore with john some more i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation so much in it it feels like we dived in pretty deep from the off and i love that about john such a depth of knowledge and depth of willingness to explore and learn so what have you got from this episode from this conversation i'd love to hear from you what's your one thing you're going to take away and how will you use that and if you'd like to explore having me in your corner supporting and mentoring you as you create your prosperous coaching life bringing my 15 years of experience as a professional coach get in touch we'll explore more and i'll let you know when my next opening is i hope you also enjoyed this conversation as always i'd love for you to help me help other coaches like you get to hear this podcast and one way you can do that is by leaving a review on apple podcasts if you do that please get in touch because i'd like to thank you personally okay that's all for me for now thank you for listening i wish you much love and joy
That's good. Okay. Thank you for that. I, I'm so, so, yeah, really pleased to be like just connected with you. Actually, I just want to take a moment Me for too, that man. because, um, yeah, it's a, it feels a really long time ago that I first met yeah. you, uh, Rich Litvin Intensive. I, I'm guessing mm-hmm. it was uh, remember, yeah. either September or December 2013. And um, that actually mm. feels kind of a lifetime ago. Another lifetime, I know, doesn't it? Yeah. A lifetime ago. Yeah. So I also want to ask you a bit about, um, yeah, your time with Steve Hardison. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing, I mean, <laughs> I used to ask, is there anything, <laughs> is there anything you don't want me to ask you about? Which is, I kind of realized that that became a, a ridiculous question given the nature of the podcast yeah. anyway. Yeah. Cause if, if it if there was something people don't want to ask you about, then that's the only thing you probably want to talk about at that point. Right. 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 So exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, there's not, but thanks for asking and not asking. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, right. Let's have a look. I made some notes here, which I'm just going to pull up. That's gone. Um, I'm done drinking. Hmm. Just to acknowledge you again, man, for just like, it's like slender Phil now. It's like amazing your, tra- your physical transformation since I, I, I saw don't, you well, even just a few years ago. Thank you for that. And yeah, I certainly feel a hell of a lot better. I'm probably a good 50 pounds lighter than when I last saw you which, you know, that is quite a lot, but it it just made me realize just how it wasn't out of control because I was controlling it. I was, you know, um, but it, I'll just say that how fat I was because I still very much, I still feel like I'm nowhere near where I would like to be. I'm certainly not slender. (laughs) Maybe I'll never be. I can only see from here up. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, there's still, there's still a belly going on there. And uh, the funny thing is actually I weighed, I've just reflected because I moved accommodation a couple to actually it's longer than that. It's about five weeks ago, moved accommodation. And, um, since I moved in here, the whole snacking thing started to creep back in a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I noticed I gained. Have you gotten into fasting? No. Well, I've done it. Dude, I've done it, what, just so a couple awesome. of times. Like, uh, so the I've, most I've done is two and a half days. Oh, that's massive. I'm talking about, like, just daily fasting in the sense of condensing your eating time down. So I eat in the six-hour window. This is new for me. I My eating was out of control, like, it was morning till night. And now I eat in just six hour period. So I have 18 hours of no food and six hours of eating. And I eat as much as I want, but in that tight packet. And it's just been so awesome. I've been doing it just this since January. Oh, cool. Because, you know, I, I lost <clears throat> quite a bit of weight when I arrived, first arrived here in Bali. And it was effortlessly. I wasn't trying. But mm. um, because of That's the, the key. Yeah, well, the accommodation I was at didn't have a kitchen either, so all of my work. was intentional. <laughs> like, okay, I was, mm. they they did deliver breakfast, I ate a healthy breakfast, and then I went for lunch and yeah, most days dinner. But there wasn't any of the snacking thing. I was never eating in my mm. room and stuff. But I noticed here I am, and this really, it's just that that old habit has crept back in, mm. and I notice I'm probably I haven't. Um, I'm not. Well, our environment creates us, man. We're created by our environment, so. Um, you know, we're getting into like the philosophy of like stuff that we'll, we we yeah. can talk about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For well, sure. That, so there's the question: How much are you open to me ha- having a dialogue with you about you as a way to exemplify the things that you're asking me? Oh, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, cool. Book. So we can go back and forth. Yeah, just make <laughs> sure. I would love that. I'm, a- I'm asking, not asking. 
I'm, I'm totally open with that. And, and one of the things I noticed is like a whole cringe factor. Of course there is. I'm sure you have this if you go back to some of your videos from years and years ago. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's amusing as well. Like it's it's beautiful yeah. to see the progression. Like in a way, although there is a bit of a cringe, it's also inspiring mm. to see how we progress. So maybe we'll even touch mm -hmm. that. Okay, I'll shut up. Yeah, yeah. Take a sip of water and we'll... Should re you should record these parts too. Oh, you are recording. Good. So this can be the podcast. You know when they do like the like oh, the talk show, yeah. they use the, they use the outtakes. Okay, job done. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy for it. Let's put the whole thing in. Cool. Okay, <clears throat> so so now I have to get all formal and do do this. Whole yeah, yeah. Let's lower our voices, slow down, sound yeah. serious. Take a few deep breaths. Yeah. All right, so here we are. Here we are.